One Team Media. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions and I can't stop from yelling. So I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but I'm not going to stop yelling. Eat it nation, baby. I'm in a good mood to podcast tonight, boys. Talking about Lynn Bowden right now, so why the hell do I care about Anaya Smith right now? Because I have an opinion and I said it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Heated Agreement. I am Jorfi, joined today by Woody, James, and Gandy. We've got a special guest on here, Mr. Kyle Lovelace, formerly of the Houston Cougars. He's currently in the rookie ball over in Arizona for the Anaheim Angels, or Los Angeles Angels, depending on which one you want to go by. Uh, I guess Woody or Gandy, if y'all want to get us started, since y'all are our baseball guys. Well, yeah, well, first, you can't forget, he was, a, he was an Aggie for like four days. I was gonna, I was going to throw it in there, but I didn't want to <laughs> put it on you like that, dude. <laughs> I, I would also call the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim what what they call themselves. If that's just me, I don't fucking know what they call themselves. Anyway, but uh, start. well, Kyle, Kyle, when did you get to uh, Florida? Arizona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My bad. Um. I was. Let's see. Was it the twentieth? Isn't that what you texted me? I got out here August. Uh, yeah, somewhere around then. I think. I think around the sixteenth of August. Yeah, so so what do you think so far of being a professional baseball player? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, Is it's, it everything you thought so yeah, far? Yeah, it's awesome. It's a good experience in terms of, you know, playing with guys, you know, and meeting different guys all around the world. I mean, it's the same as college ball other than, you know, more Dominicans, you know, Latin Americans and stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, but it's it's awesome. I mean, it's fun. You get to wake up and play baseball, you know, every single day. I enjoy it. and. I mean, like, you know, I got my degree. I've graduated, and so I'm just playing ball, you know, looking forward to, you know, oh, yeah. every opportunity. And, and you're doing it during more – or you're doing it at a time that no one has so far with, with, with the COVID stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, clearly you're sitting in a hotel right now. This is what day what of your quarantine? Five, four, five. And did you quarantine when you got there? Yeah. I, I quarantined, so – the day I showed up, I got COVID tested, quarantined two days, got the results back, and then uh, we started a little mini camp with all the draft guys and stuff, and then uh, kind of mixed into the uh, rookie league with the, the rest of the team and stuff. But I've quarantined, uh, it's actually my third time quarantining. So I had to quarantine when I got here, and then uh, another little COVID outbreak. We got sent home for a few days. That was all good. So I had to quarantine for two or three days then and then you know i'm contact trace now so another seven days but you know i guess it's part of it nowadays i mean you it's don't norm yeah you don't have a choice you know what i mean you, it's it's coming from higher powers you know what i mean it's it's all the way from oh, the yeah. top and so i mean it's just it's part of it it's the rules and kind of just you know do what you're told so if you were vaccinated would you be quarantine through contract tracing or does that kind of go away uh thank you uh it depends i think it depends on who got it and i, I don't know i guess I how like an exact rule on it no but uh, you have a lot better chance of not getting quarantined if you're vaccinated a way better chance yeah a way better chance so 
So are they still trying to keep the group smaller, like catchers in meetings only and that kind of thing, or is it a little more loosened up now? No, I mean, we, I mean, we still have catchers meetings and stuff. And I mean, we have to wear masks inside and stuff, but like in terms of playing and like being with the group, I mean, we're with, we're with everybody every day, you know, we're with the arms and the infielders and stuff, the outfielders and when we hit, I mean, it's, it's pretty much other than the mask and following the COVID rules, it's baseball. I mean, we, you, baseball, in the terms of baseball, you proceed as normal now. I mean, you practice and you lift other than, you know, we wear masks indoors, wear masks in groups. But other than that, I mean, we're, we're, with the, we're with the squad at all times for the most part. And rookie ball's got a shitload of people there too, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. There's, how many people are you with, like, on a regular, you know, Less rehab practice guys. field? Uh, the rehab guys are there too. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's up. It depends on the day. I mean, some days it's close to 50, you know, a full college roster. And then, I mean, the rehab guys kind of do their own thing. You know, they're in there in the morning until they're, they get ramped up and start doing ABs and practicing and rehabbing with the team. So they're, they're kind of in there at a different time, but I mean, it's close to 50 guys. Yeah. I mean, do y'all have a, an affiliate in, in anywhere like, like a high A or anything like, like, like when I was with the Phillies, the, the high A was at the same place as spring training. So those guys were always around too. When I was in a lot of affiliates actually like, you know, cause they're cutting teams and stuff just because yeah. of everything. I think they're used to a lot of times there was an affiliate here. Maybe not here with the Angels, but I know that was norm. But now that's we have an affiliate, the low A teams in the Los Angeles area, Inland Empire. The high A team is in Washington, uh, I think. And then either double A AA or triple A is in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's triple A. Triple A. That's go. where Andrew is. That's where I live right now. Yeah, he'll come, he'll come be your number one fan when you get up that high. Uh, Hell yeah, let's go. Uh, there's no uh no there's right now there's no high there's no there's no other affiliate other than the rookie ball team here hey one Which, question i, mean, I got go my bad. no, go no I'm, i mean i think it, it's probably gonna get brought up but so how did when did you start talking to a&m because that kind of came out of left field yeah that came out of nowhere that all happened in the span of four hours um <laughs> <laughs> no i just yeah. um Really, I mean, did, before did Sloss call you? Or did, yeah, before I say that, I mean, I will say, I mean, I I had a phenomenal time and career at Houston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything I did there, I left. I mean, left on good terms. You know, Todd Whitting's yeah. my guy. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, I had my degree from Houston. My fourth year, I was ready. You know, ready for something different. Change the scenery. I mean, like Danny, you know me well. Uh, four years in downtown Houston's a lot. Somebody oh yeah, for sure. So I was just ready to do something different. And, and I mean, y'all know, like when you're growing up as a kid, you're either an Aggie or you're a Longhorn. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just, if you're from Texas, you're, you're an Aggie or you're a Longhorn. And I was an Aggie, you know, obviously. Uh, I'm, I made sure of that. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I didn't have a choice, but you know, like obviously when the recruiting process and stuff happens, you, you find the best fit for you and the best offer and what's best for you at that time. And you go, you know what I mean? I mean, 
sometimes you get to pick and choose, but not always. But anyway, so I decided I was going to transfer. And like before I decided that A&M was obviously, I mean, if A&M called, I was going to A&M. It's still close to home. It's a great place to get your master's from. You know what I mean? I think being able to put an Aggie ring on your finger, I mean, that holds water forever. You know what I mean? That's something that's important right. forever. So that was definitely a thought of mine. And then uh, I hit the portal at like noon, whatever day it was. And A&M called me like an hour later. Uh, Todd and Slosh are good buddies and stuff. So Todd helped me out on that also. And I mean, I had, I had a lot of phone calls, but Slosh called me. We talked a little bit, called me back again uh, a few hours later. Uh, sending my transcripts and stuff and then like eight o'clock that night he called me again and offered me and I committed on the phone so wow on the spot yeah. Yeah. on the spot I mean I knew like that was I mean I had obviously like there was five schools you know that but I knew that if A&M like if they called and they offered I was going to go to A&M like that's you know what I mean that's where yeah. I wanted to go did it matter who who the head ball coach was who was, who was managing the team? Did it really matter? Uh, I mean, I think Rob did a great job at A&M while he was there. And then, I mean, I think everybody has their own opinion about Slosh. Um, but it's like anybody that's successful at that level, you know what I mean? I mean, to each their own. I mean, they're not for yeah. everybody. They're not always going to be. But the guy's successful. I know he's a hard-nosed coach. But he was still somebody that I was looking forward to playing for. You know what I mean? The guy's a winner. You know, yeah. like I was looking forward to being in that atmosphere, playing in the SEC and playing for a guy that, you know, comes from a good culture. I mean, look what he did at TCU. You're talking about what he, in his time at TCU, he, I mean, that's a private school. You know what I mean? He's getting guys to come to that, to TCU, to a private school with 11.7 scholarships and going to Omaha every other year, if not every year. So that says something. So I was looking forward to playing for him. So, I mean, Sly, and that coaching staff is really good. I mean, that's going to be a juggernaut. I yeah. mean, with Yeski and Early and Kane, I mean, like, they did a really good job. They're in, and they did a really good job in the portal. Like, they're, they're in good hands. So, uh, I mean, it, I was looking forward to playing for those guys in that group. It would have been really fun. There's a lot of experience, a lot of championships. So what kind of tipped the scales to go ahead and sign with the Angels? Yeah, I, I was going to say they, they obviously – the Angels drafted 20 pitchers. <laughs> uh, had to so, get a bat somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they had to find one somewhere. Uh, so what, you know, when they started talking, pushed you to? I didn't really know what I was going to do. I, I didn't have a clue. And I really, I'll tell you, like, the reason, I, I, had no, I had no clue. And the Angels called me. The draft was still going on. I think it was in, like, the 15th or 16th round, you know, and they called me. And obviously they offered me a free agent deal and stuff. And for me – and this is the only way I know how to put it. It may sound cliche, but like when I got the phone call and hung up the phone, there was nothing telling me not to do it. You know what I mean? Like everything in my heart was like, you, you got to take this opportunity. Like it's what you want. Yeah, that's the end goal. Yeah. Yep. And so that's when I hung up the phone, that's how I felt. And I mean, obviously that, I mean, that's how I still feel. And after talking to my family, you know, during the whole process, you know, I just, you know what I mean? You work your whole entire life to get, you, to get this opportunity oh, yeah. to get here, but to get this opportunity and just, I mean, obviously like I committed A&M because I believe in myself and I always bet on myself. I and mean, that's what got me to where I am now. So I took a chance 
you know, on going to A&M and obviously, but I, I just, I don't know that I could have, you know, if I would have passed up the opportunity and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in 365 more days. Yep. And I just, yeah. And you, and, and you want to get that clock and pro ball ticking. You, you want to get going. Cause I mean, the older you are, I mean, the easier the you are to you cut. Have. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No exactly. doubt. And I mean, that's another, I mean, like you're exactly right, but that's another reason for me because like COVID we're still talking about COVID, but like I lost my junior year because of COVID. My senior year was my junior year, which is, you know, whatever. But like, I say that to say I was a year older. So like, I don't do this and I go back. Well, then I'm another year older, you know, and I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger, you know, all that and stuff. But like in terms from like a defensive standpoint and stuff in college baseball, like in 365 days, how much better am I really going to be? Like, would I rather just get into an organization and learn and learn from these pro guys and, you know, get my feet wet and understand where I'm at? Or am I going to get that much better, you know, in the SEC? Obviously, we'll never know. Who knows? You know what I mean? But I think the age factor has a lot to do with it for me. Yeah, so, like, so you're one of the best, if not the best, uh, defensive catcher in Division One baseball last year. Were you always just – an elite defensive catcher or was that something obviously you had to work on it, hone your craft, everything, but were you always just one step above the rest of the guys defensively as a catcher? Um, I mean, I'm a confident person, so I'd like to say, yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah, I he think, was, I'll vouch for him. <laughs> but I, I think most, I think, I think that's because, I mean, I obviously I, I think I'm talented and I have, you know, I have God, you know, given abilities. And I think that there's certain things behind the plate that I'm able to do just because, you know, I mean, sometimes I do things and I'm like, I have no idea how I did that. But at the same time, I think a lot of it's because of my mentality, you know, and the way I was raised and the way I was taught. But like, I did like, there's never been a second in my life where I didn't think that there's never been a second in my life where I, I didn't want to be a catcher or the best catcher I wasn't in love with. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of that has to do just with the mentality. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, dude, I was the kid and I, I swear this is true. I was the kid that when I was in T-ball and they didn't have catchers, I still put on catching gear and I stood behind home plate and I caught. That's all I've done my whole entire life. That's all I wanted to do. I mean, that's that's what I was that, fascinated I've, I've never seen Kyle. So, Kyle's grandparents, whenever I was growing up, basically ran the Little League in Lufkin, the the uh, the fields. And y'all might know from whenever Lufkin was in the Little League World Series. So, do y'all remember Bud Maddox, the coach? That was on ESPN uh, whenever Lufkin made the made it to Williamsport. So, that's Kyle's dad, uh, grandpa. So, but ever since I've known, I've known Kyle since he was could barely walk, but he's always had catcher gear on. And now that I think about it, dude, I don't think I've ever seen you not catching, you know, like ever play in another position. No, I never wanted to. Yeah. I was going to ask mean, when you started catching, because I feel like some, a lot of guys, it's like they were the best athletes and they were always shortstop pitcher in the field. And then, you know, they get a little older and they figure out that they can catch pretty well. But it was for you, it was like from day one. It was day one. I've never, I've never, yeah. I've never played another position. I just 
Also, like a lot of people say that, like literally, like Kyle. I feel like whenever he was like three running around the ball field, he always had shin guards on. <laughs> so when Kyle was in eighth grade, and I came home for off season when I was with the Phillies, Kyle would catch my bullpen. Yeah, I used to catch you in eighth grade. That's honestly like in. So I used to catch too before I got hurt and everything, and that's invaluable. I remember catching a kid. He was from Amarillo, and he came back from the Yankees uh, minor league program. And it's honestly, when you see that speed, everything else slows down. It makes everything so much easier. Oh, yeah. So I bet that I bet that did a lot for you catching that so early, so young. Yeah. Well, and then, like he was ta- like Ganny's talking about, like he we used to go. My grandfather had a facility, you know, and that's like that's when Ganny came in the off season. Like that's where he threw his pins and some other guys too. But I mean, like after school, like my grandmother picked me up and I went to the. I went to the facility, like that's where they watched me at, you know? So like in the evening, like, you know what I mean? Like I caught bullpens and I was catching high school guys, college guys, guys like Gandy when they came home. And like, it's just all I did. That's all I wanted to do too. You know, I didn't, like if I was in eighth grade, I didn't want to catch eighth graders. That was boring, you know? Yep. <laughs> you know, like, and so, I mean, it helped me out a lot. And I mean, I I wanted to do it, and I'm like obviously thankful enough that like back then, you know, I mean, like really good community, and but like it had guys like Gandhi and those guys that would, you know, throw to me and like hey, you know, take me under their wing. That is one bright side of being a catcher. You'll be in Major League Camp next year. <laughs> they always need bullpen catchers. Oh yeah, or you you might you you might be catching rehab guys. You know, well I guess you're in COVID right now, but. I've caught a few rehab guys though and stuff, and then yeah, I mean obviously Dude, I don't you might know, catch but... Shohei's uh, bullpen next yeah. year. I mean honestly, I'd love to, and I mean like that, like for me, like I mean obviously I'm not sure. I mean I know there's a lot of catchers that go to camp and stuff because there's a lot of arms and stuff. Whether I'll be one of them or not, I don't know. But I mean, if so, well, they got a lot of arms in this draft. No, but like I mean. I mean, I would, but I would love to do that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, go, you know, create a relationship with those guys, you know, and be personable and stuff. I think that's, that that's a good opportunity for me, especially around the big league guys and stuff. So like, I would, I'd love to do that. That'd be sick. So, so maybe somebody that's more plugged in the baseball than myself might know this, but how, as a catcher, did you get to call a lot of pitches and call the games yourself in college, or is that not really? Because kind of like the coach's preference. It is, and there's a that that is a big deal right now in college baseball. That's a very big deal because now you see a lot of schools doing the wristband and stuff, and the pace of play, and and then you see you just see a lot of crazy stuff. And there's a lot of people that complain about that right now. So for me, freshman year, I didn't call. I didn't call any of it. My sophomore year, I didn't either. My junior year, which was the COVID year, pitching guys started giving me a little bit more free reign, and I would call a little bit. And then this past year, our Friday guy, uh, left-hander. Uh, Gasser? Yeah, second rounder. He's I watched team. that fool. Yeah, he's the truth. Anyways, that's, that's my boy. He's with the Padres. He's out here too, but I called all of his games. There was never a pitch that he threw that wasn't called by me. There was a few guys out of the pen that were the same way. And at some point in the year, I started being able to start every game 
and call most of the games until like late inning pressure situations or something in the pitching, you know, our pitching coach, Terry Rooney, who's at Purdue now, but unless he wanted to throw something and do something specific, I was calling most of it this year. And like I said, I mean, that's a good question because that, that's a big deal right now in college baseball. And I mean, obviously like coming from a catcher, Catchers do need to learn how to call baseball games, and, like, they need to do that. It's a really big deal. I was taught how to do it at a young age, and I think there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. I mean, like, obviously, when you talk about calling a baseball game, there's a generic way to call a baseball game. It's super, super generic, and, like, that's it, – it goes way deeper than that. You know what I mean? You got, you got to know the pitcher. You, you got to be on the same page as the pitcher. Yeah, well, like, for me, like, calling a baseball game, like, there's multiple things. But, like, the biggest thing, the number one thing calling a baseball game is is that I'm never going to pitch away from my pitcher's strengths because the hitter is good at something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, like you always pitch to your guy's strengths. That's the first thing. And the second thing is the swing tells you everything. Where he's at in the box or his take, the take or the swing, it tells you everything. It tells you if you saw it well. It tells you if you didn't. Tells you if that's what he's looking for, if that's what he's not, you know, where he fouls the baseball off. It tells you everything. And so, I mean, those are things that like catchers need to learn. I, I, I was lucky enough to learn that at a younger age, but like that's a really big deal. And I think that if pitching coaches aren't going to let catchers call games, they need to teach them why. You know, they need to teach them how to watch film and stuff. But at the same time, with that being said, I don't blame pitching coaches for calling the games because they're they're trying to put food on their table. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, you, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put this season in the hands of an 18 year old catcher, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, no. Yeah. yeah. You're already, you're already relying on them performing what you call. Now you basically right. are putting it in the mind of an 18 year old. There's definitely levels to it. And it's, it's but I, I completely understand. Like I get it. You know what I mean? Like you're a grown man, you got a family, like, this season and what's thrown and another another thing a lot of people don't think about is it takes a lot of pressure off of the catcher and the pitcher you know what I mean like that like if you're thinking about you know a 19 year old kid a sophomore that's calling every pitch of every single game and you're playing in the SEC and Alex Box Stadium every single night and you know you call the pitch that loses the game and that happens and that's going to happen that'll happen once every two weeks on a good team, you know what I mean? There's gonna be a pitch thrown that's gonna lose you a game every two weeks. That's super, that's stressful, and especially for a young kid. So there's definitely levels to it, and there's a lot of things that people don't think about. You know, I definitely think kids, they, they do need to call their own game, but they need to be taught, and they need to learn how before they give, they're, they're given free reign, you know? Is that one of those things that you just kind of like, you got you got to dive in head first and just do it game, game scenarios? So like, I don't know, maybe that junior year when you call in more Tuesday games and you were weekend games when you did get the opportunity or? I always, so it was always different for me, but like if I were a coach, that's how I would do it. You know, we're playing a Tuesday game. Like this is a good time to get your feet wet and learn. But for me, it was always different because I always had really, really good relationships with our dudes. Uh, like for me, it was a big deal. Like I'm going to make sure I'm living with one of them. I always live with our Friday guy that like I just, it was a big deal to always have a good relationship with these guys and like learn everything about them. You know what I mean? How they felt, how their body moved, the way they bounced back, what they were really good with when they weren't, why, you know what I mean? And I just started creating that relationship. And I think our pitching coach, you know, kind of noticed it. And like, I ended up just 
like Robert, like guy was my best friend this year, you know, and he had a lot to do with me calling all of his pitches, but uh, I was ended up, I was, he ended up giving me free reign just because of kind of the relationship that I had with those guys in the back end of the pen and our starters. So I think it's different for every team. Like for me, I, it, I, I showed up one day and he was like, hey, you're calling it today. You know, Friday guys on the mound, we're playing whoever. It's not always like that. If I was definitely, if I had a younger guy and I wanted him to learn how to call games, it would definitely be something like Tuesdays, you know. So how much of a scouting report did you get on the opposing hitters for to like call those games? Because I know in the in the bigs, like it's a huge deal, you know. Well, That's what the I mean, catchers I'm spend most of their day on, right, is scouting reports, figuring out how they're going to call the game. Did you I get A&M, kind it used of a, to be in, in depth? Dude. Was it like it used to be like a thirty? Like they're every like the hit they're the catchers would would get like every hitter's past at bats from like thirty at bats. Like, yeah. but I, I I I don't know about how U of H did it, but whoever did ours was always it was yeah, super like, in depth. Now in pro ball, you know what I mean? Like the catch, like you watch the film, like you you know, like you know you have all your meetings and stuff and. You know all that like i mean you know how you can imagine how film is here but like in college ball and stuff uh it's just i mean i could watch video on any hitter at any time any point in time in his career you know and so i mean the scouting report i got was it was it was in depth and so like a lot of how it goes in college ball is college coaches just talk you know what i mean and there's a scouting report written up on every single offense and they'll get it from a coach then they'll watch film and they make adjustments to it as they see fit and they come up with their own scouting reports so our pitching coach did a lot of that and then he would show it to me or we would watch some film together and talk about it and stuff so i would get i mean top to bottom the whole entire lineup you know what i mean you know average ops you know doubles everything what they did and then there'd be a box out to the side you know uh, you know, free swinger, down's good, in to out mix, you know, he's going to swing at the first two pitches or, you know, he's good late, up up with two strikes, like a very in-depth report, you know. And I would just – I would read it, memorize it pretty much, and then in between innings I'd always, I would go back to it if I needed to, if, you know, there was a guy that was giving us trouble over the weekend or something. But, I mean, pretty much anything you need there if you want it. So that Hey guys, real quick, before we get back to the interview, a quick reminder that all of our guests are brought to you by Southern Wing Shooters. Southern Wing Shooters is an outdoor brand made by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen. They're Aggie-owned and operated, and they're going to provide you with quality entertainment. Join them as they chase wildlife across the country. Hit them up on Instagram or on their website, Southern Wing Shooters. Also, go check out their store on southernwingshooters.com with all kinds of cool gear. They got hats, sweaters, shorts, shirts, anything you want, they've got it. Once again, southernwingshooters.com. Now, back to the interview. So what was your number one college memory? Whether it was in a bat, it was one pitch, it was... Or, or just one of them, one of the top five. If you can't narrow it down to one, well, it might be one. Um, my freshman year, winning the conference. Oh yeah, you know, being able to go to to Chapel Hill, play UNC in that regional and stuff. That was a good one. Probably my top one. 
uh, was probably from this year. And so the bomb. Yeah, probably the bomb, man. <laughs> uh, it was that was crazy. So whoever doesn't know, I'm not a power guy. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> body, um, that was I, at my high age stadium too. I have 401 career at bats at Houston. I have one home run. <laughs> so long story short, I'll tell the story, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool. But I got a lot of, there was a lot of guys on this team from Houston this year that were a year older than me, you know, but I had, you know, you know how it is. I mean, we've been doing this shit together for a long time, you know, they're my boys. And they would always tell me like, Hey man, like I'm not leaving. I'm not taking this Jersey off till I see you hit a home run. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm not leaving this, I'm not leaving this university until we see you hit a bomb, you know? Last game of the season. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't hit home runs in BP or nothing either. I'm the kind of, you know, I'm hitting the ball up the middle, you know, just doing my thing. Like, I know who I am. I'm not an idiot. But, so the scouting report, <laughs> scouting report for us on the last game was basically like, hey, we're going to put our toes on the white line and we're going to let the barrel eat. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's going to attack with fastballs with those strikes. Like, we're going to get the bat head out. So, in BP today, that's what we're doing. And so we're at the Phillies, you know, we're on the backfields. You know those graveyards, bro. They're graveyards. Yeah, graveyards, like 600-footers, bro. Yeah, <laughs> and, dude, I hit a ball in BP to Straight left center. practice field. Left center, dude. I get a hold of it. It's like my last swing in my second round of BP. And it goes up, and, like, everybody freezes. And it goes out almost to dead central. And we're getting ready to play an elimination game in the conference tournament against Wichita, and they're they're on the other field. And I throw my bat in the air, and I start running the bases in BP. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole team goes crazy. Anyways, I get done with BP, and I'm like, I'm hitting a bomb today, man. And, like, a bunch of my teammates, they're, like, saying the same thing, you know. I'm like, dude, I'm going to hit a jack today. I just feel it. And so, anyways, like, we roll over to the stadium, first A.B., hit a missile, guy like robs me of a double, Paxton Wallace, third baseman, he's actually with us now. He's my boy, he's a good dude. Anyways, second AB, I have a knock. Third AB comes around, we're losing five to nothing in the ninth. And uh, one of my good buddies, his name's Ryan Edmondson. He, uh, he's a transfer, he's a fifth year guy, he didn't play a ton, great teammate though, you know? And so I come in the dugout, it's the ninth inning, we're losing five to nothing. And I told my coach, I was like, hey, like give Edmondson a bat. If, and at bat if you get a chance, you know? And he was like, okay, well, then he's going to hit for you. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Give him my bat. Like, he deserves it. And so I'm I'm the third guy up. He ends up pitching this guy for the guy in front of me instead of for me. I get up the first pitch I see, nuke, my last career at <laughs> my last And you almost career. came back. You almost came back to that inning. We ended up losing five to four, five to three. But that was my last career. That was my last collegiate at bat. Only home. That's run. why he didn't come to A and M. He yeah. wanted that to be his last college at bat. Yeah. <laughs> Only home run. Hey, if you he say you have that bomb. He was coming. Yeah. Hey, but but one and like the college game bat. figured out. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Should have threw me a slider, bro. <laughs> one in four hundred at best. That's at Miles Straw Power. So I don't know what you're complaining about. Hey. Uh, I'm on a good pace now. I'm a power hitter now. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, in your last one at bat, I, I don't want to know what your slugging is. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> Did Wichita normally give y'all that many issues on a yearly basis, or did they just have a good squad this year? 
No, they don't. And typically, you know, <laughs> they suck. Actually, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, like you know, it's like K State in they the past. Yeah, like, yeah it's just like hey, K State. Listen, here's the thing. This is this is what I'll say about Wichita. We lost eight games in a row. That is impossible. It's got to be the only time it's, it's ever happened in college baseball. It was miserable. First off. And no, they finished like fourth in the conference. I, like, I don't like. It's the only time that's ever been done in college baseball. I know that for a fact. We I set so many records. You made up years. like half their conference wins. No, we did. It was. Oh, it was. It was a disaster, dude. And yeah. but y'all, I, I was just curious about like maybe because I wasn't as plugged. Maybe that maybe they were a powerhouse this year compared to normal or. Uh, they were talented. They had like they they were good offensively. Uh, I mean they they had some really good pieces. Um, they just beat us, man. <laughs> uh, it was a rough it was a rough stretch for us. Yeah, uh, you say, you sound like Halen. That's how he talked to, against K State. Yeah, it just K State had their number. They uh, they just they beat us. I don't. I mean, so it was Those kind Kansas of for us. the way it the way it played out. So. Like, we lost UConn in our conference this year. They went somewhere else. I don't even know where they're at. But anyways, like, every team in the conference had a travel partner. It means basically you play them twice in a season. Well, we didn't play midweeks this year. So, that means we're playing four-game series on the weekends. Oh, wow. Well, listen to this shit. Not only were we playing four-game weekend series, we got which, we got uh, – Wichita back to back weekends. We had to oh, play them eight times in a row, bro. <laughs> Did they beat y'all all eight? No. Listen no. to this. So we play on the first say, game. I bet they were talking some shit. <laughs> uh, it gets worse. Listen, we play on the first game and we we beat up we beat up on them a little bit, you know. And we're like, like we're in good shape, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I went home after Friday night and was like, we're gonna start conference eight. No, bro, we're in good shape. <laughs> Seven games later, we're one and seven. <laughs> Got the absolute brakes beat off of us. There's that. There's that saying. It's hard to beat a good team twice. It's real hard to beat a good team eight out of nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's rough. Man. That's tough. I, I went and watched y'all play. It was Friday night at UT, and y'all lost like one nothing or two on walk, nothing on, on a walk. On a walk, yeah, walk off walk. It what? Yeah, well. We were at home, so it was the top of the ninth, pretty much a walk-off, but it wasn't a walk-off. But our lefty goes eight innings scoreless against Texas, and then Ty Madden goes nine innings, 14 punches, shutty. But, <laughs> we, buzz. but we lost one to nothing on a bases-loaded walk. Yeah, and it was a strike. A I, thought it was, I thought it was a strike, too. But that, that dude in the ninth inning was about 98 still. Who, Ty Madden? <laughs> Yeah. No, bro. You want to know what his last pitch was that night? What? Ninety nine point six. That's yeah. What Fuck. Yeah, I, I, I knew it like was, it was fast. hundred and twentieth pitch that night was like ninety nine point six. That's what, what the track yeah. got it. I was I, I was sitting next to an old man because I was there by myself, and uh, he threw like one of his last pitches. It was either in the eighth or the ninth, and he kind of walked off, you know, and pot, like he walked off, like he knew he was a bad motherfucker. And that old man goes. He ain't got no business walking off like that. And I was like, no. He yes, got he all does. 14 <laughs> punch outs, my bullshit. 
Man, so in 99, I don't care where it goes. I don't care if you walk. punched out 14 high scores. <laughs> oh, that man can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I'll say so, that again. So you uh, you talked about a little bit about uh, how successful a and going to be with the coaching staff they have. So we're all Aggies. What made you say that? What makes you think that that combination of early and uh, Kane and Yeski and Schloss is going to do well? Well, I mean, the first thing you look at is – you know what I mean? They're, you got a group full of winners, you know what I mean? Like, it's a group full of guys that, like, they know how to win. Um, obviously, with Slosh at the top over there. But, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, if you look at what he did with TCU, you know, and then, I mean, TCU obviously right now they're in good shape. But, I mean, it doesn't have anything near the endowment that A&M has and the support that A&M has. Probably, it's probably nowhere in the country that does. <laughs> you know what I mean? A&M's probably the, the top dog, so – I mean, he's going to have a lot of resources. You know what I mean? He's going to be able to do whatever he wants. And, I mean, so that's – I mean, that's a start. And then, obviously, Yeski's coming from Arizona. Uh, pretty sure he was at Oregon State before that, right? So, yep. you're talking about a national champion. And if you look at the arms that were at Oregon State when he was there, oh, my God, get out of here. But then he goes to Arizona. And ever – you know how the ball flies here. I mean, yeah. It's a launching pad. Well, Arizona hadn't had an ERA like under six and I don't know, like the last decade. He shows up in the ERA is like a 4-3 this year, you know, like in a single year. Damn. I yeah. didn't know that. The guy's really bought in. And then, you know, Michael Early from Arizona State, I mean, he's just really, really good resume. And, I mean, Arizona State breeds hitters, you know. And then yeah. Nolan Kane under Maneri and all those guys over there. I mean, LSU, another – I mean, they're probably – them and a and probably one and two in terms of, you know, the support. So, I mean, that environment, those players that have came there and stuff, I mean, like, they just – they're – I mean, they're they're in good shape. It's a good coaching staff, yeah. man. And it's going to be complete. I think it's good uh, coaching-wise. It's a completely new slate. Yeah. Completely no brand new slate. Just... No, yeah, except for Hutch, but he's player operations. He doesn't do nothing. Um <laughs> But, like, completely new slate, you know, nobody knows. So, there's no expectation. I mean, there's expectations, but not like, I don't know, like they every, – everyone had got used to Childers in the Childers way. You know, everything from, like, the boring-ass fucking songs before the game that he had, his <laughs> walkout, like, all that's going to be different at Olsen. He's talking about building up Olsen to have 15,000 yeah. fans in it. Can you imagine that place- going to be – that bitch is going to be rocking, son. <laughs> At 15,000 people? I Jesus. Thing, I promise that you that if they do that and do it the right way, it'll be the, the, the dude, the dude won't have shit on them. The Olsen's atmosphere is the best, maybe outside of Alex Fox. But no, it even, will be the most feared college baseball yeah. venue in America. The, I mean, like, like I played at Arkansas, and Alex Fox is loud as shit. But when we played, there was – Whenever we beat LSU my junior year, I think, at home, it was a close game in the ninth inning. And that was – and I played at Swayze Field at Ole Miss in a packed house on Friday night. The berm was packed, everything. That Sunday at Olsen against LSU when we were up by one in the ninth was the loudest stadium I have ever been in. And just yeah. – and that, and, that, and that was what? 7,000 people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of like fan bases, what do you got? You got LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, A and M. Like in yeah. terms of college baseball, like now I did play at Mississippi State. 
during Bulldog Weekend, and well, that savage. bitch was rocking. It was Arkansas too. I mean, and Alex Box. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing but savages. But I can, they're they're going to expand that program very very soon, and it is going to be a madhouse. And I'll be there. I'll be in the ten. I mean, I plan on living in College Station in the off season and stuff. I mean, I, that's where I plan on being. So when does I mean, the off season start? To be determined. Hunt, hunt season, baby. Yeah. There's instructions. Right? I'm not sure whether or not I'll be in, I'll be at instructs or not. But our last game here is September 18th. So I'll, it's you know, not for the Alabama game. I will. I'll be at that game as long as I'm not at instructs. If I'm at instructs, then I'm at instructs. But if not, I'll be at the Bama A&M game. Hey, we're we're gonna we 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 might do a podcast at the tailgate. That that might be the first home game we all go to. Now. I might be at y'all's Get real tailgate. weird. I won't be at the Alabama game, but South That's Carolina, we're doing a tailgate for sure. Oh my god, dude, you have fucking money. Just come down for the biggest game of your fucking life. If they're dude, undefeated, you you got to. If A&M's undefeated, you're flying down. I'll fly you down. Fun. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Dude, we'll we'll dip into that heated agreement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that sponsor money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I'll I'll do an outro real quick. Wait, Our, but can we still talk about like stuff that we put in? Yeah, no. If it, if something pops up, I'll go throw it in there later. But like anything oh, okay. specifically, I just want because at some point I'm gonna this wine is gonna hit me. I'm a Get fucking, get Wait, I have one oh, quick yeah, question. Yeah. I have one quick question. So, Kyle, you said you caught like a bunch of kids in high school, college, all the stuff. Some in rookie ball already. Who's the best pitcher you've ever caught? Candy. And who's the yeah. best pitcher you ever uh, faced at the plate? Oh, a Friday night guy he caught this year. Good. Faced. Uh, I have to think about it. Um. Man, in terms of arms that I've caught, I will say that I've had, like, I've caught a lot of really, really good arms. Like, it's it's been really cool. Like, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to see it all, you know. Um, but I will, in terms of, like, where he was at, you know, in college and probably where he's headed and stuff, but, like, in college baseball, the best arm I've ever caught is Robert Gasser, our Friday guy this year. And that says a lot because, like, I mean, just to, you know, Aaron Fletcher, you know, who was conference pitcher of the year my freshman year, Trey Cumby, who's also out of Lufkin, Texas, who was phenomenal at the University of Houston, you know. I mean, you got all these guys, ton of electric guys that I've caught, a bunch of guys in the back end of the bullpen, guys I played in, you know, summer ball with that are – you know, a lot of guys that are in the big leagues. Um, but, dude, Robert Robert Gasser is – he's the truth. He's going to be a big leaguer. Like, I mean, he's 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 the best – he's the best arm I've ever caught. He's going to be at one point, you know, by far. Uh, the guy's got it figured out. He's in good shape. You know, hard worker, great competitor. Uh, in terms of face, man, I don't know. I've seen a lot of good arms. Um, Nick Lodolo's up there from TCU. Yep. He's up there. He's uh, about to get really called up. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, there and you know, there's a lot of first rounders that are out of the American that I've seen. Shane McClanahan, who's with the Rays, left-hander, got those fuzz balls. There's a guy from UConn in the back end of the pen. Uh, I don't even remember his name. Guy's up to 100. Gavin Williams from ECU, first rounder. I got to see him a lot. Um, who else? There's been a lot, man. I've seen a lot of good arms. 
at the plate. Uh, I Nick Lodolo's up there. He's good. Yeah. He's good. Stuff's good. I'd probably say probably Nick, you know, in terms of hitting. Hey, real quick. I'm, oh, I know there's some stories. Shane McClanahan pitched a, a damn good game today. Did he? Knows, but still. Yeah, I think it was like six scoreless or something. Dude, that He's guy like my a top 20 prospect in baseball. Dude, and he was yeah. everybody else. Another guy, Grayson Rodriguez. He's like number seven. Oh yeah, baseball. He's committed to A and M. God damn it. He's just like you. He's right there. Central Heights. I've caught him. Oh Grayson, uh, I got Seeley to go watch him. Hit off of him a few times. He's a good dude, man. He's from Central Heights. Um, yeah, but the McClanahan guy. So that was my freshman year. It was early in the conference, and I mean, I was a freshman, you know, still learning. But this guy's five ten, you know, from the left side. First pitch of the game is like 101 miles an hour. I can't pick <laughs> up. The changeup's like 93. And, dude, we just double, 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 double. And then he caved me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we, we hit him around pretty good. But, yeah, he, he could let it eat a little bit, man. He's good. So, so is Gandy at least like top – 69 pitchers that you've caught or something like that. Probably not. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need my boy. Top 10. I, I'm I mean, Kyle was in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, no. Kyle didn't even have hair under his arms. Yeah, Gandy, if you had real stuff, he wouldn't have been able to catch you as an eighth grader. I just nah, said, I Kyle. He did have real stuff. He threw fuzzball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I threw my harness in high school. Yeah, no. Nah. Gandy, Gandy could let it eat. Gandy helped me out a lot. He's so you have like a hell of an arm. How fast do you think you could go from the rubber? Woo! I don't know. I hit. Uh, I got on a gun my senior year of high school. Last time I was on a gun, uh, I hit ninety-one. Did you? Uh, what you, are you throwing on pop time? Like one, one yeah. Eight, what's your one pop nine? time? I threw. Um, Actually, the day I got quarantined, we were throwing to second base, and we had just finished when they uh, caught us in. I think I, I threw a one seven three. Shit, that's quick. Yeah, that's that's elite. But that's I flirt with usually it's you know one eight. Yeah, they I say can, anything two and under is yeah good to catch a steal or mo a base a game, steal most of the time in a game uh, mid one eight to one nine. That's yeah. elite. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some times I let it fly in a game and it's a 1-7. just depends on the runner, what I got to do, the pitch. But I can throw some 1-7s when I want to. You got to pick and choose your moments. So did you run into those, like, obviously when you have an elite catcher behind the plate, like, so I'm a Cardinals fan, right? I always hate when everybody says, well, look at Yadier Molina's caught stealing percentage. Yeah, because only Billy Hamilton's running on his ass, right? Right. So, did you ever run into that where, like, only the elite base stealers were running on you? So then everybody was um, like, "Oh, he's only caught fifty percent of the base stealers," you know? I know the in caught stealer percentage in college baseball is it's different because a lot of it has to do with hold times and stuff, right? Um, but yeah, I, I I think that I have I I don't look at my numbers, but I'm pretty sure there was only like fifteen stolen base attempts this season. You know, yeah. or the past season in college. But, yeah, I got some vendettas with some guys in college baseball that, you know, they can run. They know they can run. They know I can throw. And those are the guys. Usually usually for me, like, 
and like if we're going to a weekend, you know, every team has one or two good runners. Whoever their best runner is, I'll get a shot at him once. Did that kid from Texas try to run on you? Yeah, yeah. I threw him out twice. Yeah, he threw him out yeah. twice. Yeah, fuck that guy. A lefty? Yeah, he's quick. Yeah, there's actually a video on my Instagram of me throwing him out. Oh, he stole like 40-something bags this year in college. I threw, I threw six guys out that weekend. I was going to say, Friday <laughs> night he threw like three people out. Y'all knew y'all y'all know this guy, who I have an absolute vendetta with, is Trey or it's not Trey Alejo center. Oh, Ray Alejo. Ray Alejo. Really? He to, yeah, he went to UCF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four years of college. I saw that guy every single weekend for three years. Me and that guy have we've we've had some good goes at it on the weekends. Yeah, he we must have lost a step by the time he got he to did. A&M. <laughs> that guy. Hey. His sophomore year, my freshman year, he was the fastest kid in the country. I'm serious. No, I'm serious. He, I, I'll tell you a quick story. We're playing, this is a Sunday. He's a leadoff batter for UCF. He hits a chopper back to the pitcher. The pitcher, pitcher bobbles it. He beats it out to first. The next pitch, the very next pitch, he's still second base. I don't throw the baseball. He's still second standing up. He got such a good jump. The pitcher was slow to the plate. I don't throw it. The very next pitch, he steals third, no throw. I don't throw it. Steals it standing up. The fourth pitch of the baseball game, he stole home. It was one, what? To, no one to nothing in four right. pitches. I can't make your that pitcher up. Your pitcher is just that shitty? Like, the dude, dude just stole second and third. Maybe don't go from the windup, you dumbass. No, the guy, he – no, he was in the stretch when he stole what? home. He came <laughs> He stole home. What? Our pitcher came set. Our pitcher came set. The guy takes off. Our pitcher steps off. He's probably a couple steps away by now, and the pitcher throws it halfway up the backstop. Oh, this fool! This fool lost not one step. He lost about three. It hey, be that fast? Oh shit! Two years before you got to Texas A&M, the kid could fly, like really run. And well, I mean. Because, like, my freshman year, I could – damn dirt at all. Awesome. I do now. Like, I could catch and throw then. And, like, I'm telling you, like, the guy is a good – he's he's probably the best base runner that I ever played with. Did you ever get a chance at him at A&M? Nah, never at A&M. I played him. He never ran. Well, I'm pretty sure he was, like, 26 by the t- at the end of this year. So, Checks out. He probably lost a step. He's out of his prime. <laughs> he's fucking out of his prime at this point. He run at UCF. There's, he's got to have the. He probably he's got to have the most bags at UCF without a doubt. Hey, uh, you said you coached at coached with twelve a little bit. Do you have any experiences? Like, did you ever work with Weekman from uh, the uh, Bridgeland High School? You know, who I'm talking about Connor Weekman. Oh, Weigman. Weigman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get it right, Jordy. Um, yeah, I've been around him a little bit. Um, ran some practices with him out there. Um, one of actually my really good friends who was actually my coach when I played for the Texas 12 when I was 17 is Ryan Broninger, who runs Tech Tags. And um, that's my boy. But um, he is uh, – he's a big Connor Weidman guy. He, caught, he, he coached Connor in baseball and stuff, and he kept, he kept up with him in the football season in Bridgeland. Um, great kid, man, great guy, you know, good person, phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's in – I know he's graduating early after the football season this year and heading over to A&M. 
you know, fucking five-star quarterback commit. Let's go. Yeah, well, he's a phenomenal baseball player too. The kid can really. Is that play. the Cy Fair dude? No, the Bridgeland, Bridgeland. quarterback. That's the Cy Fair ISD, but Bridgeland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know the kid. He, I know the kid can spin it too. I know he can really go on the football field, and you know, in terms of baseball, he's he's a really really good player. Guy's got some pop in the bat. Mature kid. Uh, Good person. He's coached well. He's in good shape, man. He's going to do well at a and So, so they said know. he, they said he had like high round draft potential, um, in baseball. Do you buy that? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the kid's athletic, super talented kid. I don't, I don't know in terms of like draft and like and all that stuff. I'm not sure. I hadn't looked at it, but I mean. The, I mean, it's in there. The upside's in there. Strong kid, super athletic kid, got pop. He can run, move, athletic, can pick it. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't – like, in terms of the draft stuff, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, no doubt. I wouldn't be surprised. The kid's – he's he's going to be good at whatever he does, that's for sure. So, could you or, you or Gandy both play one sport? Could you imagine doing both D1, football and baseball at the same time? No. it. I mean – and again, you'll touch on it after me probably, but like it's so demanding. Like just being a phenomenal athlete at one thing is super demanding. Just being good, being successful, being able to do it. I mean, like it's one of the most demanding things that, you know, you're going to do. But like to be able to show up on a football field and do that, and then, you know, in terms of flipping right around and going into the baseball season and being successful, like I don't care what level you're doing at, it's impressive. And especially like from football to baseball, because if you think about being a quarterback on a football team, how much work goes into that, how much work goes into knowing the playbook and not only knowing the playbook, but knowing your whole entire offense and where everybody's supposed to be at every single time and then being a leader on the team and, and investing so much time into that. And then at the same time you say, oh, by the way, I also have to be a phenomenal baseball player and be the leader on this team and, you know, be a captain on this team, which means the same thing, you know, maybe on a smaller playing field in baseball in terms of like what I'm supposed to do, but like, that's really, really hard to do. And so like, if you're able to do that at a high level, it doesn't matter where you're at. You're, I mean, it, I mean, that's hard to juggle. And I mean, he's at Bridgeland, which is, I don't know if that's a 5A, 6A, it's a big school. I know that. And I know that he's also doing a lot of baseball stuff on the side, you know, which means, I mean, he's prepared, but I mean, that takes a lot of accountability. And I mean, that's effort. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, you got to be bought in. I mean, you have to really want it. And so, I mean, that says a lot about his character. I will say that. Yeah. So, Andy, could you have done two sports in college? <laughs> Fuck no, dude. I was quarterback <laughs> in ninth grade and I quit because they made me be quarterback junior year. Oh, um, hey. But T Stub had a full That's ride to LSU yeah. for both. Had a full ride to Arkansas and South Carolina for both. And when he committed A and M, I don't know if there was. I was so fucking pissed off because that would have been another place to go party. He would have been a quarterback. I just, I was pretty pissed off. I remember so I was doing weights. So I mean, the biggest difference has to be no fall practice if you're in baseball, no loved spring it. practice if you're in baseball or if you're playing if you're talking football right like yeah but those football guys like those, those coaches they want you there every chance you can get even in baseball season and another thing is is that like like the workload like the workload that you have just being a college baseball player 
it's unreal. Like mm -hmm. the, it's an unbelievable workload. Like if you could actually live it and experience like the people that have it, you have no idea. And then saying, oh, by the way, I have to be a quarterback in the SEC. <laughs> also, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and then on not top only of that the SEC, but A&M, maybe one of the schools with the, mo like, the most pressure on you anywhere. You know what I mean? In the biggest stage other than Alabama in football, like the biggest stage, like, dude, yeah. you got to be a freak to be able to do that. Yeah. And then on top of that, on top of everything, you got to joke. So, like, I don't know how they did it at U of H, but at A&M, the academic lady, Mindy, she'd give you your hard classes, not in season. And you would take your easy classes during season. Well, if you're doing both sports. There's no, there's no off season. There's no off season. Oh, yeah. so by the way, you're 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and, and then you and, and and then you throw in the regular student stuff, the women. Now the the money thrown around in this. Oh my! I mean, imagine so, you're Andy. That's yeah. why God created. That's why God created a lead. Damn right. Ag leadership, For those dual baby. sport athletes. Ag leadership, education, and development is the way to go. If you want, okay. you know what you want to do when you graduate college. And it's not engineering or business. I, gar I guarantee you, Connor Wait. Weidman will be an A-led. Anybody want to take bets on that? <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I he's gonna, no, he's going to show up with, like, bright eyes. Be like, I I've got nothing left to say. Alrighty, guys, so that's about all we have for you all today. Appreciate you, Kyle, for hopping on with this. Uh, good luck to you for the Here rest of the season and going forth in your career. It's been a blast hanging out with y'all, talking ball. Woody, Andy, and James, I'll see y'all next week. Take it easy. Good luck, Kyle. Appreciate it.